Graham Coxon, bittersweet bundle of misery. You're listening to Russell Brand on BBC Radio 2, and I'd like to dedicate that song to people that are listening to it. Hello, Matt. Are you all right, mate? I'll do that. Yes, you can. Dedication. What? what? That's not a dedication. I think it's good because if you're listening to it, that's for you. No but it's finished, so no one's listening to it. Oh, right, okay. Get fine. your senses right. <laughs> <laughs> I have dedicated that thing that just happened to you, Slot. You're right there, Matt. Yes. Matt, you're in charge of the buttons today. It's quite a responsibility. Yep, a lot of buttons. Don't look at them. Of buttons. Don't, don't uh, worry yourself. Just to peer over at those things. Dreadful business, really. Trevor Locks here. Also, you're in charge of emails and techno letters. Yes, I am. <laughs> Are you feeling well today? I am. I'm feeling a lot better. You know, I've been poorly, but um, Trevor, I'm sure the people of Great Britain don't want to hear about your psychological condition. It's a laundry affair that <laughs> it is. So, uh, the theme of today's radio show is self-improvement and the yeah. moments that have spurred you on to self-improvement. That's what we've decided to have as a theme. Matt uh, and Trevor have written a blog for the show. I write as well sometimes, but those times are when never. When times? Never times, <laughs> because I don't have time to write the blog. But I don't have to pretend that it's me, it's just, you know, but I will write a blog one day, it'd be ever so nice. Brilliant. So Matt, <laughs> so that's something to look forward to, see what Father Christmas brings you. <laughs> so uh, Matt's uh, saying about, Courtney Love criticised Matt's teeth. M on many occasions, and on telly. Yeah, yeah we do a show on Channel she's 4. She's flirting with you. She's flirting with it. Oh, is that your judgment, is it, Trev? Yes, it yeah. is my judgment, because she's a friend of Neil Strauss, and that is a well-known technique that he employs. Yeah, that Neil is, actually. She's negging you, Matt. Negging you, mate. Neil Strauss actually wrote the book, The Game, a womanising handbook. Neil Strauss is an author that we have met before, and yes, he is a friend of Courtney Love, and you therefore You're think not in Courtney court. Love. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Trevor using Neil Strauss yeah, as a Bible. There was a book that we once looked at, Your Honour. <laughs> yeah, but he did. He said that, uh, when you found someone you should say something sort of cheeky negative. Alright, love you look a bit fat. Fancy a cuddle. That's <laughs> no, no, exactly no. what he said. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only when you think that they're out of your league and they're very, very beautiful. And obviously I that's what Courtney Love thinks about. I it, think she does, clearly she does. Right. You're you're a younger man, you're very handsome, you look a little bit like the Aphex twin. Well, why has that come out? Someone sent in a photo of me compared to the Aphex twin. Oh. I do look a bit like him. Well, it's all very nice. Now, self-improvement. Now, what occasions have you felt inspired to improve yourself? Here's my example of it. I was inspired to stop taking the old filthy heroin and crack, nasty drugs both, when I went to a Christmas party at uh, our management company. I went along in the company of this gentleman called Harmonica Matt. Harmonica Matt always smell of what's-its, regardless of the it time of year. It was sick. <laughs> <laughs> and other naysayers like to claim it was sick. I think that you are negging harmonica, Matt, because you secretly fancy it. Oh, you're not smell of sick, mate. <laughs> get, in, get out of my dreams and into my bra. <laughs> so, no, I remember that part. He, Russell phoned head and goes, I'm, I'm, bring, I'm bringing someone. I said, who? Harmonica Matt, this bloke. who's a homeless man who smelled of vomit. <laughs> and then he turned up and he goes, oh, he's great, isn't he? He's brilliant, isn't he? And he was you just could play harmonica. Matthew Morgan, he couldn't. He could. It was the only time that he wasn't gibbering. <laughs> yeah, because the rest of the time he had this odd statue. It was a bit like sort of a Gareth Gates, but a blues version. <laughs> <laughs> he went like that. He made some strange noises. He was a lovely fellow. He I, was I lovely. had a lot of time for him. And I said to Russell, uh, I remember saying to him, he smells of sick, mate. You shouldn't have brought him. <laughs> it's not, it's crisp. <laughs> <laughs> that man is a brilliant musician and will be exposed as such soon when he performs. And then he did a performance, refused to get off the stage, and very nearly ruined that Christmas party. And we also 
also discovered another charming new facet of Harmonica Matt's character. He has a bit of an eye for the ladies. He's been like looming down Davina McCall's bra and travelling Tess Daly. He, was a he, he looked like meatloaf, didn't he? He did look a bit like meatloaf. I liked him actually. What was that thing where he had a doll in a uh, pushchair and he used to go, my baby? <laughs> he, well, <laughs> he had Do you this. We went around with him because often when I used to be a drug addict, I used to think that I was sort of like an Andy Warhol figure making art out of people. I thought well, that person is art. I'll no, use it. The research. only people who'd hang around with Russell. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Matt may like to say that my friends were homeless <laughs> drunks and drug addicts. I saw it as I was down among the have-nots, like another person from history. That's right, good old Jesus. So I was going around <laughs> with lots of homeless people with that, and I remember like we were Matt goes, yeah, let's make a TV program about Monica Matt. I didn't Simply, say that. All right, it was me. Simply <laughs> on the basis that he was all weird, right? And he used to push a, a toy baby, a trolley, <laughs> around in a, a pram thing, and then he just would stop off at the bottom of escalators and sing, "There's something wrong with my baby. There's, There's something, something wrong with me." me. <laughs> and then people Why would give did you do that? I think. It was just this way. <laughs> that's his nature. That's part of his culture. Don't criticise that, Matt. That's what. That's you part nearly of his had way. a joint account with him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> good mates, Matt. What well, I think you will be far simpler if you and I were to co-join our financial affairs. It's a lot of silly bother. Us living separate lives. Anyway, he came along to that party. He caused a lot of silliness. Then I went off to the lavvy, took all manner of silly drugs. People came in and caught me because uh, they, they knew I was taking drugs, but they didn't know what drugs and how often. And then they, I got you weren't. Very discreet, were you? Not really. I used to take them quite publicly, sometimes live on television <laughs> <laughs> while interviewing Kylie Minogue, etc. So um, that was all of then. Anyway, the, the management company realised I was taking too many drugs, sent me off to my special little drugs holiday where I would look out of windows, cupping myself, crying, and learning some hard home truths. So uh, that was a bit of a wake up call for me. When did you realise that self improvement was necessary in your life? Perhaps you've got an example. Yeah, give us a ring on 05. 288291 or you can text us on 88291. This is BBC Radio 2 on 88291 FM. Why don't we listen to Mark Bolan now? He'll cheer us up. That was T-Rex, 20th century boy, nice, isn't it? That's really made me feel dreadfully uplifted. That hasn't dated, has it? It's not dated. If anything, it's become more pertinent now that the 21st <laughs> century's happened. Um, <laughs> there was a jump in the middle of that, and if you heard that on your wireless, I can only apologise, it was because of uh, Trevor and Matt suddenly decided that they'd like to try life as a gay couple. It's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. kissing and a cuddling, and whilst it was very moving to watch them express themselves physically, it were unprofessional. So, okay, yeah, talking about, uh, what we're talking about, so realize the moments where you've realised, of course, that you needed to change, that you needed to improve yourself. Trevor, have you ever had such a moment in your ridiculous life? Yeah, I remember when uh, I found out that, uh, well, they told me I had to take a gum shield to bed. You had to take a gum shield to bed? Well, wear one, really. I bet your wife was relieved to probably take <laughs> the pressure off her. <laughs> now he's got this gum shield, <laughs> I might get some peace and quiet, cuddle that up all nice. She was relieved. Yeah, but why did why you become your trip? Because I was so stressed. Did she punch you in the night? Did she? <laughs> oh God, I've married this idiot. I take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, well. I was just very stressed, and I didn't realise it because. Uh, and I've got this thing with my jaw, and basically, my dentist told me that I was wearing my teeth down, and uh, that unlike a rabbit, they weren't growing anymore. Yeah, and that's a shame, isn't it? It's a yeah. shame you've not got more qualities of the rabbit, Trev, then you could just leave your drop-ins in the garden, <laughs> couldn't you? I could. I could find a little hole and burrow myself down there. Yeah. How's a gum shield going to help? Well, the gum shield, uh, it protects it's only me. the front bit, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the top bit. It just goes, it's like rugby players wear them. And, um, it stops you from... Not in bed. 
No, not in bed. It prevents. It, I suppose it prevents him grinding his teeth. I suppose. Surely there's a choking danger. There's I not think your dentist disliked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he found a loophole by which he yeah. could dispose of Trevor. <laughs> I'm getting rather real. tired of Mr. Locke cluttering up my surgery, demanded to have vampire's teeth fitted and- Sleep with a golf ball in your mouth. <laughs> It'll be fine. In the middle of a roundabout. <laughs> Ridiculous, Trevor. So how's this- has that improved you in any way? Well, it's, it's brilliant because you, you put it in and then if I grind my t teeth, um, it, it wakes me up so I stop doing it, which mm. is good for my cheek muscles. And, yes. uh, it means my teeth will last a little bit longer as well. That's nice, Well, Trev. that's made my heart bleed. <laughs> I like to think of Trev having lovely pearly gnashes right up into his nineties. <laughs> Matt, one way that you could improve yourself in my humble view is by not ordering a dinner every single place I you go. Know. Before the show, right, uh, uh, some, one of the people that works here goes, oh, would you like any food? And I goes, yes please, yes, because I've not had a dinner yet, right? And they go, oh, well, Matt wasn't here yet because he's slovenly in his attitude to work. They go, well, Matt wants some work, uh, well, Matt wants some food. I go, yeah, you might as well order him a, a ridiculously hot curry so he can prove his fragile masculinity by <laughs> scoffing down hot chunks of lamb. I like hot food. I goes, even if he's just eating, even if he's coming from a restaurant and you ask him food, he'll still have some. The other day, right, we was- Hang on, hang on, can I just stop you? I have come from a restaurant. Right. Right. And you are having and a big load of dinner, aren't you? Look who ordered the dinner, you. And you're <laughs> going, well, Matt, wherever he goes, orders dinner. <laughs> oh, I get here and Russell goes to me, I've ordered you dinner. I know, because it's I'm you. After, trying to cater for you in your obvious flaws. Right, so, but what about that? I remember when day? you did used to cater for me. When yeah. I used to come around your house, the one meal Russell can prepare, probably to this day. Vegetarian, it's a feast. vegetarian sausages <laughs> on s sort of mixed leaves <laughs> with some brown <laughs> cooking sauce that's so maybe actually used as a sort of marinade that Russell thought was some sort of. God knows, sprinkle sauce. <laughs> I liked it. That was a delicious feast fit for all. I used to go around and, and that. Everyone's laughing because everyone's been subjected <laughs> to that meal whenever they've been around to my house. Have you had that, G? <laughs> <laughs> delicious dinner. He's ungrateful he's brutes. I was out there. As soon as you got for the joy, he couldn't wait to. Oh, I'll cook. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll just get a takeaway, Russ. No, no, no. I'll just knock this up. Let's put these. Uh, First, you cook the sausages. First, you get all these ingredients that don't quite go together. <laughs> <laughs> and force them into an uncomfortable corset of a meal. <laughs> Difficult nice. business. We have a day, of course, uh, we went to Claridge's to meet Courtney Love. She's gone back to America now, so it don't matter where she was staying. She was at Claridge's. Um, I went downstairs to meet Max, who was like, had to prepare Courtney Love to come on our TV God, show and our radio show. Matt was sat there, we sat there in Claridge's. I, of course, one of them people fits in anywhere. I can have, like, I could sort of uh, perhaps spend breakfast with some workers and then dine out with a duchess all on the same day and it would go effortlessly. No, not really. Matt, you put, <laughs> yes, definitely. You think that, but you're, you put on a posh voice. And then you go, oh, can I have some chips? And, uh, can I have ketchup and mayonnaise? What, you ask for, yeah, you ask for things that, you know, you just, you might ask them in an arrogant way. <laughs> Doesn't mean you fitted in. I fitted right They're in. They're running around the kitchen trying to find the rubbish food <laughs> Get me some spam, please. Um, was it like, yeah, it was in Claridge's. He couldn't cope with the pressure of being in, of in that environment. I didn't I like, like it. But the waiter came over and goes, would you like some food? He ordered some food and then I was just about to speak and he goes, Matt, you're doing that thing where you order food everywhere you go. <laughs> like that. I suppressed him. Why are you so obsessed with how much I eat? It's not healthy. 
Well, he's got enough complexes, isn't he? The food going into his body's got a complex about food leaving his body's <coughs> got a complex about. Don't talk about my complex of food leaving my body because I've got some information about you. <laughs> well, I've got information about you, Sonny yeah, Jim. Yeah, well, I've got information about you. And your whole lifetime spent with defecation. Russell's mum told me. When she told me as well. Yeah. yeah when on. Russell was a little boy, mm -hmm. oh, to oh, encourage yeah. him to go to the toilet, <laughs> when he'd been to the toilet successfully without a tantrum, <laughs> he got a farm animal. <laughs> a toy one. A toy one, not a little oh, yeah, one. A toy one, yeah, a toy yeah, one. It'd <laughs> be madness otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, well, so you did, it's didn't you? meant I've not grown up into an unusual fecophiliac who can't eat in restaurants, so it's obviously yeah. a very successful way of raising a young man. He does but carry around a sack of little zebras, though. <laughs> 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 not even farm animals. Uh, he's he got wouldn't a, get a zebra on a farm unless it was in Zimbabwe or somewhere. <laughs> now, um, Matthew, Trevor, yes. this is a wonderful show that we've got coming up. I interview Morrissey later on in this show, it's wow. pre-recorded. Oh. It's a wonderful, wonderful interview. That'll be the last half hour or so of the show, I think about, I don't know, about, I don't know, last half hour of the show, that'll be me chattering away to Morrissey. Now, neither of you two know the content of this interview, but let mm -hmm. me tell you this. Mark, the producer of this radio show, says it's the most insightful Morrissey interview that he's ever had the displeasure <laughs> of having, <laughs> having to endure. It was good, it was, actually. It was good. It was very so you've good met time. your hero. That's it. There is no. Who else on the planet? The, uh, Peter Cook is no longer alive, can't meet him. That's it. But, you know, no one else. Stephen no. Fry, Woody Allen. Who, who, who else would you want to meet? Who else is there? Larry David. I suppose. Larry David, yeah. Sort of maybe some comedy people for. But Morrissey occupies that very specific territory in one's heart and dreams as someone who stewarded you through difficult adolescence. So it's difficult to. <laughs> Didn't do it for me. <laughs> no, I don't know what you were doing with your adolescence. Glue sniffing problem, <laughs> doing blow offs. <laughs> <laughs> some of us were cultivating a poetic soul. Yeah, so it was wonderful to meet him. And, uh, like, he didn't let me down. Enigmatic, charming, wonderful. It's a brilliant interview. Stay tuned for that. That's coming up in like, about an hour or something. That'll be on. Well, shall we ring Noel Gallagher up? Might yeah. as well. He'll probably be listening to this, won't he? So he needs Matt Morrissey. Of course he would have done. He'd have right nosed it up. He'd have been charmous, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have known how to move. I know he admires Morrissey and likes him a lot. We'll ask him about Morrissey. We'll, give, yeah. we'll try and give Noel Gallagher a ring. We shouldn't take him for granted, though, of course. Noel Gallagher is a wonderful and brilliant man, but also a bit of a boor. Right, let's listen to another record. Let's listen to Tom Waits' Heart Saturday Night, which is, uh, you know, is a more sort of a sensitive, reflective, ponderous song. It's not like, you know, it's not, it's not an arse whooping lot of hoopla. It's lovely though, have a little think about it, because it's like trying to discover essential happiness through the culture we're living in and constantly being shortchanged by that culture, because ultimately we can't find that kind of happiness without finding some sort of beauty. You had your tablets today, you dear. You my tablets! <laughs> help me, help me! Nurse, the screams! <laughs> What a beautiful, touching, moving song that is by Tom Waits, looking yeah. out a Saturday night, we're on Radio 2, this is Russell Brand. Ah, oh, I wonder what he means, magic of a melancholy tear in the eye. Oh God, dear old life, it's so sentimental and beautiful and painful. What was that that man said to me once? Oh yeah, it was a psychiatrist I was talking to. I was talking about the pain and beauty in life to this psychiatrist, and he said, look, I, I just want to get on with this bus journey, leave me alone. <laughs> no, I was in the session. <laughs> and he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, once I was driving down through a valley in Wales and the coast, he goes, I just pulled over a car and like, uh, marvelled at the beauty and the nuministic glory of all nature, and he got all choked when he was telling me about it. I thought, 
Is this what I'm paying you a hundred pounds an hour for? <laughs> you just sob like a weakling <laughs> just because there's some grass and an accent. No, I was all touched by it, but you Didn't know. Didn't you used to see it as a challenge to make your psychiatrist cry? Yes, I did actually. I always oh. used to think, now these people are used to dealing with difficult cases. <laughs> if I can unravel his mind, I used to approach the psychiatry like I was Hannibal Lecter with Clarice Stalin. Well, you can try and unravel me with your questions <laughs> and your cheap <laughs> handbag. <laughs> What's that with? <laughs> what was it? You used to, you've spent some money on some snake oil lunatics, really, people yeah. hypnotising me, He used me, to go regressing me. He used to waggle a biro in front of his eyes. Oh, yeah, that's true. Pay him. Well, how much was it? A bunch of cash. What's the biro thing? He would waggle the biro in front of my eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd jab me with it <laughs> in oh, the wrist God. and say, "What have you learned?" <laughs> no, no, what was it? You go into a hypnotic state through watching it, apparently, because the yeah, apparently through watching that biro move, your your mind thinks you're going into rapid eye movement of the dream state, and you can access different parts of the brain. That's what that bloke said to me, but he giggled even when he said it. <laughs> but like, but like, That's yeah. brilliant, though. He got an office and he thought, right, stationary <laughs> cupboard, a biro. That's all I need. By sticking this post-it note to the back <laughs> of your head, I can make you a millionaire. <laughs> if you take this ruler and ping it on your desk, it makes this noise. <laughs> that wagga-dagga-dagga-dagga noise will be a hit single any day now. Mark my words, mark them. So when did you realise, oh, that's a wake-up call? I'm not going to him anymore. He goes, it's difficult for me to help you, young man, when you keep taking quite so much heroin. <laughs> and I go, well, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm committed it's to It's my hobby. <laughs> Don't you ruin my hobby, <laughs> doctor, because I will leave. I'm not swapping heroin for a biro. Other pens are available. But fortunately, one day I did improve myself and give up heroin. Wendy's on the line from Mama. She's going to tell us how she improved herself. Hello, Wendy. How are you, my love? I'm fine, Wendy. thank you. How are you? Hello. Wendy, I can't hear Wendy in my cans. The tall one. I've got to any Wendy. Wendy, dear. Wendy? Hello. Right, now, uh, some people apparently can hear Wendy, but I'm not one of those people. Wendy? Hello. Ah, oh, Wendy, you came and you gave without taking, but we I always hear Wendy, Wendy. If you could hear Wendy throughout. Oh, Wendy, one. I apologise for that embarrassing moment, and I apologise to people listening. But oh, now I can... Thanks, Wendy, for forgiving me. So, w when did you decide to improve yourself? Tell me about your self-improvement. Well, it was about uh, four years ago now, and um, I was visiting a friend in a town, and the friend in the town will remain nameless. <laughs> you were visiting a friend and a town, but you're not prepared to reveal the identity of the friend or the town? No, no, just in case. <laughs> you can't offend a whole town, Wendy. I don't well, reckon. You if you don't went, know. it you was don't Manchester. Know. I don't reckon everyone in Manchester would go, <gasps> the cow! <laughs> But um, went down for a, a bit of a drinking session, ended up scoffing too much whiskey, mm. and um, I woke up in her uh, boyfriend's clothes. That's interesting. Clothes? Mm, yes, his clothes, yes. Dressed up as her boyfriend. Were you Indeed. <laughs> mm, were you trying to do his job or anything, like you tried to steal his life in an um, anthropological I experiment? I sincerely hope not. <laughs> so, like, do you, what do you think you had done? Discarded your own clothes? I think so, and like a wild moment of abandonment. I think I just threw them to the wind and decided to put on anything at hand. But it's glorious, really, Wendy, to <laughs> think of you so liberated. I mean, now you sound so composed. To think of you doused in whiskey, dancing <laughs> round some nameless town, casting off your robes unshackled and free. Indeed, indeed. That's what whiskey used to do to me, but I don't drink it anymore, so... Good. Did any, well, did any reports emerge to, to suggest what might have gone on during that evening? No, the mystery still remains today. Nobody has any idea. Um, I think I want to protect my dignity. I'm not too sure, but... 
I prefer not to know. I think, yeah, perhaps it is to protect your dignity. Perhaps your behaviour was so shocking, so <laughs> abhorrent, Wendy, that they've decided to keep it from you forever. Well, it's best it remains that way, thanks, yeah. <laughs> it's good because you are yourself the soul of discretion, not mentioning <clears throat> either the name of the friend or the town in an attempt to keep things top secret. Wendy, thank you very much, dear, for no uh, telling us about your drunken abandonment. Now, I suggest what you do now is listen to the rest of the show while slinging whiskey down your neck and then give us a call tomorrow like, and say, I'm outside the studios of BBC Radio 2, nude! <laughs> Ring us up all nude. It'll be a delight to hear from yeah. you. Wonderful. Go on, Wendy, express yourself. Hey, it's lovely yeah. talking to you, my dear. Take okay, care. no problem. Ta-ta, thanks for your call, thanks for your time. Uh, old Wendy did sound composed, didn't she? I can't imagine her behaving like that. I think good. she didn't dress, she didn't put those clothes on, so she must have done Someone something so dressed. terrible that the boyfriend's like gone, come on, Wendy, mm. and then had to put some clothes on her. Right, she was probably marching around with a broken whiskey wine. Oh, give us a cuddle, give us a snog! Like that nude. Yeah. Perhaps. She woke up and thought, oh, blimey, I've put someone else's clothes on. Oh, what a mishap, what an embarrassment, but really what preceded it. it was probably grim. She don't even remember the name <laughs> of that town. <laughs> she, yeah, she don't know where it was. It will remain nameless, for <laughs> a simple reason. I don't know it's where lost. it is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, why don't you phone us uh, on 0500 288 291, tell us about your embarrassing, uh, well no, it's not embarrassing incidents, moments of realised you, where you thought, oh hello, I better improve myself. Perhaps you, like Wendy, disgraced yourself. Or oh, what was this, oh, someone sent me a lovely email saying that they decided to give, that, oh, they decided it was time to learn to drive when something terrible happened on a bus. When are you going to learn to drive? Never. Really? I think cars are wrong a bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, here we are. Yeah, the, 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 look, Victoria Brennan says, I love the show, guys, Victoria says, from Barnsley. I realise that I should learn to drive when a man, well, she uses a sex word involving your own self, onanism. When a man did this thing next to me on a bus. I've since passed my test and fear using public transport again. The memory still scars me today, although I think about it regularly whilst looking at my husband's lap. Victoria, <laughs> what a cu curious tale. Do you think it was her husband? Oh, that, that taught her to drive. She does, she's not clear yeah. about that. Victoria, no, perhaps she should get in touch with us. <laughs> what, do you think what was her husband? Why is she looking at her husband's lap? I made that bit up at the end to oh, spice up right. the email, mate. I just sometimes do that. So I was thinking, hold on, this email needs a little punch, a little sting <laughs> in the tail. <laughs> I'll add that with a lie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, give us a call, 0500-288-291. Tell us about when you thought, hello, time to improve my life. Or you can email russell.brand at bbc.co.uk. Matthew. Why do you say cars are wrong? Oh, I think cars are wrong. Because you can't drive one and it's convenient to say that. Because it's, yeah, it's convenient for me to attach a moral judgment for something I can't do because <laughs> I simply can't be bothered. I think hand gliders are very dangerous. <laughs> hand gliders are responsible for racist killings. <laughs> that is why I will never be involved. Go on, Trev. Well, you, you go everywhere in a car. That doesn't make sense. Using yeah. Parking. It's not like you use public transport. <laughs> and and you just get someone else demands to do the it's driving. a Mercedes. <laughs> I don't demand. I suggest aggressively <laughs> <laughs> that if they want me to get in it, it should be a nice car. <laughs> no, I don't. Look, I'm a nice young man. I've had a terrible oh, life. Yeah, <laughs> you can't fall back on that. <laughs> you can't say cars are wrong. Cars are wrong. <laughs> cars are wrong. And that's the bloody reason why I'm singing this song. Is this one of your football charts? <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Football charts, good ones are coming in. G suggested some new lyrics. Our resident poet G suggested some new lyrics for Uptown Girl. Some people have sent emails saying perhaps that everyone thinks it's a brilliant idea that I'm trying to reinvigorate culture, the, the culture of football songs. I myself saw the film Green Street and became a little bit worried that I was plundering uh, the f sort of football culture. Because I'm a football fan, lifelong West Ham fan, went there with my dad, etc., etc. I'm not one of them people who is utterly defined by their love of their football team. Like, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. sort of, I'm, look at me, I talk like this. Oh, hello. <laughs> right? So that's not a person that's utterly defined by. And then when I saw this film Green Street, right? It's, in my view, one doesn't like to criticise others, but there's some, that film's got, they've made some curious choices. Like the lead hula is a film about, Green Street is the street that West Ham's ground is on. Uh -huh. And uh, this film follows the fortunes of uh, a group of hooligans and an, an American student, Elijah Wood, who gets caught up with his hooligans, seduced by the fraternity and romanticism of working class culture, particularly around football hooliganism. But the lead hooligan, played by this, like, handsome lad, who's not from England, London, or, you know, far less London, he's, he's, he's talking like this a lot of the time! Right, sort of like- That's so, your market. How <laughs> <laughs> <Not> dirty! <laughs> <laughs> they should have cast me <laughs> in the role of the lead of the ICF. Also, it's not called the ICF, Intercity Firm, the actual name of West Ham's uh, Intercity Firm, yeah, is that what they're called? They used to take trains everywhere and- bad about them. No, they're a lovely bunch of fellas, some of you guys are not getting involved. But they call it the GSE, the Green Street Elite. You know, I don't know what the reason is, but probably the same reason we shouldn't mention Intercity Firm, <laughs> I would imagine, <laughs> to avoid dangerous reprisals from brilliant- Hard, reckless men. Um, but anyway, this film, Green Street, is sort of like, it's about sort of football hooliganism and it's sort of a bit simplistic. I think, you know, does it like sort of like, you know, oh look, they're all, uh, we're a band of brothers, we few, we happy few type vibe, but you can't ever quite get into it because of the cockney accent of the lead. Does it glorify it? It glorifies it a little bit, but also the film is, in my view, you know, there's some good people, I know some of the actors that are Stop, in it. And just say good. it's rubbish. It's, it's rubbish. absolute <laughs> filth! No, I don't want to criticise, you know, it's not nice to criticise, I don't like it. But if you think it's rubbish, justified. say it's rubbish. Really? I just do that, do yeah. I? Yeah. I feel yeah. like that man with his pen. If you don't like it, say so. <laughs> oh, Thanks, Doctor. Here's 500 quid. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Give the pen another wiggle. I shall give you a farthing. <laughs> Do you want me to Next week, an HB pencil. <laughs> no, I'm doing really well. Here, look, there's a rubber on the end of this one. <laughs> <laughs> that means we can see into the future and erase the past. Yeah, so um, the football chant. Anyway, I sort of thought, in it, uh, is it right? Because I sort of thought I didn't like the reappropriation of uh, football culture in this film because I thought it was badly. Handled. And I thought, oh, me trying to get like West Ham fans to sing up Girl, I thought maybe that too is a little bit sort of daft. But actually, I think it's quite sweet. And there's been loads and loads of like, you know, interest and people suggesting lyrics. And I've learned loads about different sort of football songs from all over the country. And also, the, the, the announcer at Upton Park, Jeremy Nicholas, right, he played Uptown Girl at half time for West Ham versus Sheffield United. Like, he played Could it. Could that have been coincidence? No, because like, uh, I spoke to him in the lavvy. At Upton Park. And what happened? Previous week. What, in the lavvy? No, it's just the two of us. Very romantic, of course, too, That's the way I would have wanted it. Uh, yes, no, he's very ma He's married. I think he's had a baby recently. Yes, I wasn't referring to that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. Was there anyone joining in? Maybe it's at half time. At half time, people don't sing. I think he was just doing it to plant oh, that into oh. this. Into Hang on, when this did you go? Mind. When did you corner him in the lavvy? What do you mean? I didn't corner him. Was this before? Why, where did the 
verb to corner get yeah, thrown into this guy. play uptown girl. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be using this guy for a very different purpose. Uptown girl. <laughs> None of that sort of thing happened. Don't shake your head at me. It's only a little bit of toilet humour. Think of what we used to be like. Um, so, um, <clears throat> so I think that, uh, in so a way, played that lovely. For you. He played that for me. And uh, I think, really, it's all right to do this campaign. But also, I've simply not got the courage to be the person that stands up and goes, Upton Park! <laughs> with, I go, you know, yeah. I don't know. Dream thought of a better version, because it's got much more swearing in it that counters the natural campness of the song. Upton Park, we're the Amazon from Upton Park. <laughs> Your version was like, we're effing this, we're effing that. But we'll it's good, that effing will go beat for you that. up. Yeah, no, that one will probably be easier to market. not got any of your silly... Yeah, which is the boys, <laughs> give us a cuddle, let's make some noise. Look at my bum. <laughs> yeah, it's a, Jeeve made it a little less Duff you are. <laughs> if you don't want to get pink up. <laughs> <laughs> the cup's nice. <laughs> um, That's okay. What, yeah. Why don't you give us a call at 0500-288. Tell us about how you've tried to improve yourself. Talk about football, talk about what you want, really. It'd be nice to have a little it's bit like of a It's like Woody Allen right? trying to come up with a football chant, you? Yeah? Worrying about oh, it too much. Oh, I'm trying to come up with a football Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh, God. Oh my God. Now I'm next to him in the toilet. <laughs> I can't go, he can't go. <laughs> We're there for hours. <laughs> okay, well, look, it's 0500 288 listen to Radio 2. What are we going to listen to now, mate? Jay-Z. Oh, Jay-Z, about time we embrace bleeding black culture on this show. Come on, let's have a listen to some hippity-hop. That there with Jay-Z, a bit of poignant hip-hop poetry, nice. That's good, I love that sample. So it's Otis Redding sample. So it's written sample. Oh, no. Max Romeo. Max, Max Romeo. Romeo sample. There you go. You listen to Radio 2. That was Jay-Z. It's about ten. Oh, I've never said that on the radio before. It's quarter ten if you want to know the time. It's one of the things you're meant to do on radio, isn't it? It's about quarter ten, mate. You tell people the time. Just randomly tell them without asking. It's time. It's about quarter ten. Oh, good old life. It being quarter to ten and all. Oh, yes. It's always quarter ten, isn't it? Oh, have you noticed that? <laughs> Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it's quarter to ten. We've not got round to being an old Gallagher. Did uh, Claire Jones, who works here, get that lady, that man on the phone wants to talk to? Oh, yes. Mick from Shenfield. Mick, are you here, mate? Yeah, I was just saying, you, Russell, yeah. Good, good. I'm glad you can hear me. Now, yeah. today you've got yourself castigated <laughs> in, a, in a garage. Tell me what on earth was going on. Well, I was on the phone right. on the floor call, Double and then garage. I got told off by the manager, yeah. and then I went in to pay for my fuel, got told off twice more by two other people. Right, because actually you're not allowed to use your mobile phone on a floor call. Well, that's what they say, but. <laughs> Really true, is it? Well, it's not true. I think it is true, Mick, because it could start a fire, couldn't it? I, I don't say know. that, but <laughs> Brainiac proved them wrong, didn't it? Mick, Brainiac, we cannot take <laughs> the evidence of Sky <laughs> One show Brainiac and <laughs> apply it in life. It yeah, is... but when you think about it, you've got on a modern petrol car, you've got 45 volts yes. on the ignition system, so that would mean. You would have to park your car on the road and push it in, fill it up with fuel and push it out again. Yeah. Mick, if this is more evidence that you have accrued from watching the show Brainiac... No, no, this is, <laughs> this is my own independent research by sticking my fingers in the thing. Do you get yourself in a lot of trouble on Garage Forecourt? No, well, not, not, not really the forecourt, it's the much sort of table and that, you know. You're, you're a black cab driver, are you, mate? No, no, it's Essex, so it's... Um, oh, that's it. I'm just getting me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me the wrong <laughs> you don't you're just casually getting your dinner. What are you having? I've been Matty Dave. They're, they're giving me the wrong thing. Other burger joints are know. available. Don't go to them, though. They're very bad for you. I oh, know, I'm just... I oh, know, I oh, know. What are you um, doing there, Mick? No, so it's a licensed taxi. It's all proper, like, you know. 
Yeah, okay. I'm on the forecourt again now, actually. I'm just going past the BP thing. You've learned nothing. Get off the forecourt, Mick. You're a menace. <laughs> it is weird that you can't talk on the phone on the forecourt. It's stupid, isn't it? Because you've got the radio on, you, and they start, you know. Mick, <laughs> Mick turn <laughs> your radio on. Oh, that's why that happened on the forecourt. I'm getting back in the cab now. Mick, I don't think weird. you should be allowed near any technology. He's morphing into a new doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you have become a new taxi driver from the future. That was a live demonstration. I didn't get blown out. I walked from the, you put from the restaurant. Weird noise, Mick. Call it a restaurant. Mick, so we all heard a very strange noise. We all, all of us heard it, so I think there's very real evidence to suggest that not only should you not be allowed to use your mobile phone on forecourts, you shouldn't be allowed to use it to phone up radio stations. You're a, a menace, Mick. A menace. So I have to go, that's not bad, because there's no point in going on unless it make a little bit of impact. That's right, that's, that's, that's a, true. a very good point. Yeah. Uh, is, are you going to stay listening to the show? Cause I'm, oh, I'm, I'm really eat... enjoying it, actually. It's good, isn't it? It's yeah, not... it's good. I'm... I'm just going to sit and eat my dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> keep like out of trouble. <laughs> just keep your nose clean, Mick. <laughs> I've well, got a long night ahead. I'll expect to finish about four or five. Yeah. So I'm going to do the drunks and that soon. Do the drunks? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you mean driving places and not take advantage of them. <laughs> Try and get their belts off. No, nah, I've got actually one guy with me and. <laughs> A drunk. A Yorkie bar and uh... <laughs> Other chocolates are available. A drunk gave you a Yorkie bar. <laughs> yeah, bar. a bag and then Nobby's nuts. <laughs> Stop going on about brand names. <laughs> There's just been a conversation about a man plugging <laughs> brands. <laughs> Might as well have a phone call from Gerald Ratner. Never had them before. And I thought, yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, Mick, you've got to go. You're a menace. But, Matt, I suggest you go to a garage forecourt, right? Put about 10 B&H or any kind of fags in your mouth and try and light in a variety of ways off of fireworks and that. It'll be a glorious display, then send the results to Brainiac. I'm only joking, Mick, you're a lovely bloke. Thanks for that call, mate. Mick, stay with us. He's gone. He's gone. Oh, Mick. Oh, we cut Mick off. I mean, Mick has exploded Oh, look, Mick, he sounded like John Lydon. He was interesting character, wasn't he? I'll have me dinner now. I'll just have some dinner, Malcolm. He was a lovely fella. All right, then, let's, uh, um, yeah, give us a bell if you want to promote some brands <laughs> on 0500-288-291. we got Morrissey coming up later on in this show, a more inconsequential nattering from us three twerps and potted philosophers. Email russell.brand at BBC .co.uk. We're not looking at emails, actually. Let's have some emails. Have a little look at our emails, what we've got. And, uh, yeah, what are we going to listen to now, Matthew Morgan? Gang of Four. Oh, Gang of Four. Oh, dear, they're a bunch of lovely lads. What's the track? Uh, Damaged Goods. Oh, Christ. That's song. Let's dedicate it to Mick. Okay. Mick, this is Damaged Goods. Damaged Goods. <laughs> this is to you, Mick, and to any forecourt that you potentially visit. Take uh -huh. it easy. That was Gang of Four. I've moved away from the microphone, just having a little look around the world. Gang of Four there with... Damaged goods. You listen to Radio 2, Russell Brand. You're right, Trevor. Look, I've never seen you look quite so perplexed. What's the matter? I was just wondering, um, were they named after the SDP or was the SDP named after them? Oh, there's a joke there. The for time, anyone who was interested <laughs> in liberal <laughs> politics in the early 80s, <laughs> what's wrong with you, no, man? No, I'm called the Gang of Four. I mean, I've never heard that uh, record before and uh, I was around. I, don't I was think about seven connection. years old at, at that time and I remember the Gang of Four being associated with uh, David Owen and Shirley Williams. <laughs> SDP. Wow. That's a lovely reference, Trevor. I'm Sure. I think any listeners of Radio 2 that would be interested in that reference turned off when they heard the first little rats going, Alright, well, let's show! We'll play the music! So, but, but that, you've alienated the, the people, <laughs> our listeners, no, you haven't, Trevor, it's an interesting reference, good old Shirley Williams. Now, so we're talking, what were we talking about?
talking about here. Evening, Russell, it's Dan from Hornchurch. So it's, uh, I'm presuming this is Dan from Hornchurch. I decided to improve myself when I looked in the mirror and saw that I developed a terrible beer belly. Since I'm an incredible lazy person, I have an hatred of gyms, I purchased a slender tone belt f from a shop. Other electric pulse belts are available. Though I've not lost weight, I now have a bit of a six pack going on, <laughs> and I've not done one stomach crunch. Enjoyed your DVD, by the way, up the Amers. Well, thank you very much for that, Dan from Hornchurch. I've used one of them. How do they work? Is that, is that the one? Weird. Like, like the ladies. Well, it pulses you. you a, like electric shock, and it tenses up. Well, it and you, right you don't lose any fat, so the muscles underneath the fat. You can have a six pack. Really? A great big fat belly. That's quite nice. That's right. Quite like the idea of having that. Keep it secret. Why not? It'd be lovely to know that that was there. This lady here. Oh look, I knew I needed a good dose of self-improvement when I woke up on the floor of a stranger's house and what I thought was a pillow was actually an ashtray. It was Stevenage, I'm wearing her clothes now, she swapped them for a double whiskey. Oh, this is two separate emails. That's that woman coming back to admit that it was Stevenage. Crikey. This is dribbling out. And <laughs> the, <truth. laughs> the truth is dribbling out. <laughs> what a peculiar business all round. Matthew, Matthew, when have you ever tried to improve yourself, have you? Well, I went to the gym about five times a week last year. Yeah, I remember that remember period when I got of all muscular. incredible narcissism. Turn your phone off. Turn your phone off, Trevor. And, yeah. It wasn't uh, in narcissism. I got really fit and muscly. But then as soon as you stop going to the gym, about two weeks later, you're back to normal. Just crumbles, aren't you? Pointless. Really? <laughs> is, it, is it really that pointless? Well, it takes about a month to go back. But I was really muscly. And then as soon as you stop, it just withers away. I don't mm. like the atmosphere in gyms. I don't me like either. people looking at me. No, that's because you create an atmosphere. I create it. By wearing skimpy outfits. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> what, what skimpy outfits have I air worn? Your swimming trunks. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you go like? I remember I think those the, the when we went to Ibiza in like the year two thousand. Yeah. They were vaguely acceptable then. But what, what were they? Probably were they because like? you're about five inches away from a big gay culture. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a thong? <laughs> no, it's like you know, like, oh, hot pants. Those? Hot pants. Speedos. <laughs> That's sort of hot pants. That's a brand, Trevor. If you're a man and you, you're allowed to say brand names. You're not. You're supposed to provide balance. This is the BBC. We've got wreathing ideals. We're meant to elevate the consciousness of our listeners. We're right. meant to go things like, right, okay, don't be miserable because we're all united by common things like love and beauty. Say that every so often. Well, instead and then of talking about a man who wears swimming trunks that reveal <laughs> the line where your buttock becomes your leg. <laughs> exactly. That's not meant to be out if you're a man. <laughs> it's not meant to be. The out. line where your buttock becomes oh, yeah. yeah. The line where your buttock becomes your leg. Yes, yes. If I that's that not that exposed, line. he can't swim. That is it's not show off enough. <laughs> oh, that, that is, is a delightful. I don't like gyms. People laugh and point and say, you're not allowed to wear that in here. It upsets people. People keep pointing at my bra. What kind of attitude is this? What sort of country where people not accept my basques? Anyway, when have you been in a gym? I went there once. I went there to meet new people. It didn't go very well. Now, look, we've got to go to a bit of the old newsy poos oh, in a minute. Oh, the old news. Hold on a minute. I've got... Yeah. Right, last week, remember last week, um, it was actually pre-recorded our show, and we dared the uh, newsreader, Chandrika, to say hello. Blue, somewhere in her broadcast, she did it. The week wow. before that, we asked the newsreader, I believe it was Andrew the week before that, to say shenanigans. She did it. Now, it's approaching news time. It's nearly news time. What, what, what do you want him to say, Matt? Higgledy-piggledy. Oh, oh that's, mm. 
that's easy. That's a classic. Hickety pickety. I think it's a classic. What, what do you mean? It's good. It's, yes, it fits in with the genre uh, of all the other ones. Of course. Shenanigans, Hullabaloo. So if in the news, this lady, not in a tragic story, and if, you know, with them tragic stories we've had. The bodies were laying higgledy all over the scene of the massacre. We wouldn't expect that to happen. Higgledy pickledy massacre. It was a lot of hullabaloo, said a witness through a veil of tears. It's my last day here today. Matt's chosen to celebrate the end of his career for BBC by saying the word higgledy pickledy. So, okay, no, like, so, yeah, the word higgledy pickledy, if you hear that word in this broadcast, Oh, it's hyphenated. No, it's hyphenated. Let's not get Does that mean down. the word pigglety's in the dictionary? <laughs> Matthew, if you ask any more questions like that, I'm sending you back to Dr. Bernardo's. <laughs> Let's listen. This is 88 to 91 FM. This is Radio 2 from the BBC. Here's the news. That was Wire, is it? Wire. Outdoor Minor. Yeah. Brilliant song. Wire, really Matt. good. Yeah, well, you listen to Radio 2. What about the news? Andrew on the news said higgledy piggledy. Brilliant. She said the rain will be falling in a higgledy piggledy fashion. That's brilliant, isn't it? We can oh, infiltrate the news. So if you just tuned in and you hadn't heard us say, say that, that, that you would so think, you just think, oh, weird thing I'll turn to the news for a moment, then idiots won't be on, and then you hear the <laughs> to the word higgledy piggledy infiltrating the news. Now, let's keep this pressure up. Hopefully, we'll be able to get people saying, uh, Russell Brand's been made king of the Commonwealth now. We must all obey his crazy new orders. Do you think we could get that into the news? Of course I we could. I think that'll happen anyway. It's inevitable, isn't it? Yes. We just have to keep... Now, we've just had a delightful... <laughs> we've just had a brilliant, brilliant bulletin, right, from uh, Jennifer, who works with Morrissey. Is Hang she on, manager? you've got to check the facts on this, because you don't know what he said. <coughs> no, well, I'm... Right, well, Morrissey... Morrissey's manager, Jennifer, texted Mark, oh, our right. producer, saying that Morrissey's on stage in Glasgow on his tour, which I recommend people go and see, and he goes, oh, I've Russell Brand is a charming man, or something like that, right? And Before we don't know if We don't Ch know if the there was- to this charming <laughs> <He's> saying, man. <laughs> this Russell Brand! <laughs> There's no evidence to suggest that he changed the lyrics to charming man. But he definitely good, mentioned me on stage. Now, you're right, Matt, we don't know the context. He might have said, I've met this <laughs> preposterous idiot called Russell Brand. But, I mean, why would Jennifer, his manager, send to Mark, our producer, a text message saying, Morris is just slandered Russell on stage. She could be a very twisted, well, cruel woman. she met you as well. <laughs> <laughs> you vindictive, spiteful boy, Matthew Morgan. Get back to your orphanage. Um, what do you keep saying I'm from an orphanage? Because I'm just trying what to... What do you keep saying, mister? <laughs> hey, mister, why is your egg so big? Mister, mister, don't talk to me like you're an urchin and I'm the elephant man trying to make my way through Whitechapel tube. Um, I was saying it, Matt, like that time, because I want to infiltrate your brain the way we're infiltrating the news, and like that time, I was off to regression therapy and Matt Morgan kept <laughs> quietly mentioning things about Anne Frank, <laughs> knowing I was on the way to regression therapy so that I would go to regression therapy. It was a oh. scientific test. <laughs> I wanted to know if regression it's therapy Anne was Frank's real. Days. I'm so Anne Frank. I was just sitting in the car and he was going off to have regression therapy and I wanted to know. I reckon his consciousness is about an inch deep. <laughs> so, driving along, I just went, Anne Frank. Because <laughs> I, I just, I, it didn't happen, but no, I honestly thought he'd sit oh, I'm in a cupboard, oh, the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, well, terrible, terrible time in the Holocaust in Amsterdam, of course, no one's believing that. Matt was just simply trying to get inside my brain and ruin it more than I have already with drugs and egotism. Ridiculous business. But nonetheless, this is a happy occasion because Morrissey has mentioned me on stage, and even if <laughs> a bizarre man. Why? And nonetheless, this is an happy occasion. <laughs> it's not a 
wedding. <laughs> I'd like to use this occasion to announce my marriage to my own brain box. <laughs> uh, it is a happy occasion. Because remember I mentioned them Reithian values. Like oh yeah, how is this a bit of Reithian values? Because Morrissey... Has it, mentioned you. <laughs> and Morrissey himself... <laughs> has a mission to elevate people does to he? talk about does beauty. He? Of course well, he, he does. He's not miserable, he's very funny. He's you know, you're sloped about to off to Italy. He <laughs> slope off, he strode off manfully in the pursuit of happiness. And if you listen to Morrissey's songs or Smith's songs, it makes you discover beauty in the mundane, majesty in the trivial. He is a true artist and that is the obligation That's of us Morrissey too does. as artists and writers. Mm -hmm. Hmm? That's what Morrissey does, yeah. What, and what we do is that and all. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I just used the word and all to describe Frank. So we've infiltrated the news. Morrissey has mentioned me on stage. This is a lovely, lovely day. Listen to how Kimberly Vickers tries to improve herself. She says, I went through a phase of self-improvement when I came out of a hellish girls only school and into a mixed sex college. When I saw the word sex about college. mixed sex college, I thought, hello. That's how that, I suppose. Pulling up on the first day. Right. <laughs> Sunglasses on. Sex college, is it? Welcome to sex college. Okay, I bought some equipment. <laughs> Brands, get out. <laughs> it's not that kind of sex college. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd get a diploma in that place. I decided to try and pretty myself up a bit, says Kimberly, of her first day in Mick Sex College. <laughs> not Mick's <laughs> Sex College. Mick, that taxi driver <laughs> who was on the phone earlier. Oh, I'll start a sex college. <laughs> Might be a bit hazardous. Oh, no, I've left a firework in the science lab. Oh, the bundles and burners have burned through my noggin. I tried to pretty myself up a bit, says Kimberly. I tried to rid myself of the slight podginess around my tummy, which is lovely on a woman, I think, isn't it? A slight bit of Absolutely. podginess. Why, what's the problem? Why don't women realise what is beautiful about themselves? Exactly. And that's boobs. <laughs> I'm joking! I'm joking. No, it's women the, it's, 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 it's the their puppy essence. Like quality, isn't it's it? the essence puppy of their soul. Like quality. Trevor, that's sexist. You dirty it's sexist. Not sexist. Puppy. saying a woman's like a puppy, Trevor. Getting off on the Andrex puppy. It would have stood out as one of his negative qualities and outbursts. Alright, this lady went on a cereal diet, did Kimberly. It grew boring very, very quickly. Cereal diet? And I missed my veggie sausages, which do taste good on a bed of salad. You're right, so salad. salad. Yeah. <laughs> veggie sausage on salad. <laughs> That's the special. <laughs> How can you talk? Like my nan used to go, pizza, yeah, Russell, have some pizza. Oh. <laughs> veggie sausages and salad. Look, what I'm saying is, is this lady tried to improve. They weren't on a bed of it, actually, when Russell made it. What were they? They were chopped in a little. Pennies. <laughs> He'd slice them up in the dollars <laughs> and just ruffle them through the salad. <laughs> it was delicious. I don't know why everyone's criticising my bloody cuisine. I have two self-improvement stories that I'd like to send you, says Lucy Keynes. Six months ago I decided to quit working at a Camden Naturist Club, tired of poor trout lines from the shriveled old she says penises on parade. That's allowed. What chat up lines from the penises? I think if a penis yeah. can talk at all, <laughs> you shouldn't judge the quality of the chat up line. The very fact that it's uttered a word should impress you. It's um, a ventriloquist, surely. Anyway, she goes. If you put sunglasses above them, exactly. it's almost believable. And a cigarette beneath them. <laughs> it's a glorious act. I'd pay a farthing for that. I'd pay a veggie sausage penny for that show. Clump. Anyway, she got tired, this lass Lucy, of being at the Camden Nature's Club, watching all this, being chatted up by men with shriveled old Where penises, clumsily knocking yeah. mugs off the counter with my boobs. This sounds like a lovely place. She had to be there naked. Is this is an email. It's not something you've scribbled. Hold on a minute. I'm just reading the inside of my eyelids. <laughs> That's my thoughts! <laughs> uh, so she goes, look, I now work as a PA to architects. 
and started a PhD part-time. I've graduated to fetish clubs, oh. still cheesy chap lines, but more opportunity for rude retort. I'm well, still clumsy. Lucy's living in a wonder Hang world. On. She's working in this business and complaining about it. Lucy, listen, love. You either get on board or get out. Ship up or shape out. Sure, shut up or something, love. <laughs> Knocking over mugs with your boobs. That's the last thing you should be doing at a naturist club. Keep them under I've got- Where's Camden naturist club? Uh, we live near Camden in London town. We want to go there. That's the spirit, But Matt we don't want to be naked. Oh, I think we I know where it is. I don't mind being it's naked. It's not Camden. They call it Camden. It's actually Kentish town. Well, I'll still go. What do you mean? What do you think? Is Those Royster Doysters. Mm. Not that Rio Sauna place. That's not a naturist club. Don't say the name of it. Alright, well, as if people go, Rio Sauna, I'll pop down. Well, that looks like a terrifying place. Once a man told me that he'd go there for what I can only describe as heartbreakingly drab threesomes with his wife to inspire yeah. a lacklustre, decaying marriage. And I'd listen, I thought, <coughs> uh, and it was called like the Rio Spa or something. Do you still say that couple? Some <laughs> the three of us had a lovely evening last night, as a matter of fact. <laughs> At the Culpa, Culpa Cabana, music and sausage on a stick. <laughs> oh Christ, not today! I've already had one. Yeah, well, I, I'm interested in this Lucy's world. I'd like to know more, Lucy. You should keep a blog, dear. Read our blog on Radio Two as well. Normally written by Matt Morgan or Trevor Lock. I'm going to write one one day. Oh, what a day that'll be! Go Ladies and see gentlemen, Morrissey on stream tour. of consciousness. There. <laughs> Someone said, "Get a blog, read our blog." Of comedy, and then they they retracted that and said, "Oh, well, hard to understand. <laughs> hard to understand." Obscure out of date and unnecessary. And a bit long. <laughs> one, one, basically one good novel in him. Okay, um, so, right, th this is nearly the end of our time. Should we go to a track and then we go into this Morrissey interview? Hold on, G's written us a poem. Let's listen to oh, yeah. poem. G, give Chris Massey a message, G, our poet, poet. Yeah, alright. Okay. Poem about self-improvement. Well done. We're compiling a shopping list for self-improvement, stocking our trolleys with an end to our confusion. Desiring to be better, prettier, fitter, stronger. Breasts need to be bigger. Dinkles need to be longer. <laughs> Have we got a gun shield for Trevor? Check. One that can survive it. any weather? Check. A farm animal for Russell to help him go to the toilet better? Check. <laughs> Perhaps you too can improve the rest of your life so by hiring a strange man to wave his little biro. Hopefully <laughs> the grand you put in his hand won't affect him during his gyro. So what can we expect next? Bigger abs, stronger pecs, perhaps Morrissey can provide the answer and he's coming up next. Woohoo! Mr. G, yeah. elevating culture! There's your BBC, there's your BBC. Thank you very much, Mr. G, that was a fantastic poem. Okay, so the, this is pre-recorded, the uh, interview with Morrissey now, but what an interview. We'll listen to it in the car on the way home. You've got to stay listening because it's going to be brilliant. What's the track we're going to listen to on the way into Morrissey? Barracuda by John Cale. Oh, nice Barracuda by John Cale. This is a bit exciting. That too will elevate us. Alright, well, we'll be back next week between 9 and 11. Until then, we offer you actual genuine love from inside of ourselves. This is 88891 FM, baby, 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 This is from a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been, essentially. Um, yeah, this is the BBC. Thanks for listening. Stay with us for this Morrissey interview because it's brilliant. Take care. Ta-ta. Love you. Bye. People have a tendency to bleach out idiosyncrasy. Yes. I wonder yeah. why this is Morrissey. It's because they, they, they don't know what makes them so interesting and special. They actually don't know. Other people do. But they don't know. They have to be told. Do you think that's true about yourself? No, just everybody else. <laughs> just everybody else. Not me. No. Don't you think there's things, aren't there things about your character that you, that you lament that, that other people might see as defining? Well, I wish I was much taller. Really? No. 
<laughs> You're so gullible. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, this, this, this is a difficult position for me because I'm like not many people, no one, in fact, else that I would be that I would have a tendency to fawn over. Were Peter Cook alive, I would be vulnerable to that. But, yeah, yeah. So, but aside from that, there's there's no one. And it's the well, you, you mentioned your heroes um, on the show. Yeah, and I that, was quite surprised. Well, Chris Morris, Vic Reeves, and Jonathan Ross, I just mentioned for the joke because it's because yes. it was funny that because that was true. I did send him. But, but he's very clever. He is a very, he is clever, very, man. very clever, I think. He's a, a brilliant broadcaster. How, I know it's like I watched you when you were on Jonathan Ross's programme, and I always feel that that is not an ideal environment for you. You don't seem particularly. Happy. Not really, because um, when you do television like that, um, you, as soon as you walk onto the set, you have to spring a bit, and you have to walk a bit taller, and you have to sort of bounce a little bit. And uh, I, I'm not very good at that. Why is this? Why is this? It's because I'm uh, incurably, um, not natural, that's not the word, but the word is, um, Jennifer, what's the word? Oh, Jennifer. You can't just expect Jennifer to have well, I do. access I mean, to your she's, vocabulary. She's, she's wearing a white coat, she should know. Um, Jennifer, that white coat denotes absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's as if you've no professionalism. Modesty was groping for a word, and you offered naught. See, Jennifer, the woman in white. I think it's because I'm just a um, um, very, very, very natural person. First, okay, but the first time I saw you perform, I was struck. Uh, I don't perform. Oh, ah. Seals perform, unfortunately. Seals, what is it then? What is the verb that we use to describe um, what you do as a job? Appear live. Well, first time I see you appear live, <laughs> I was struck by. I thought that you had. I was because like because my. Because I'm, I'm normally a corpse, of course. No, but the, no, I thought that. <laughs> what I thought was that you'd be more slight and like sort of like fey. Yes. You are, whereas you are quite sturdy and heroic. Um, well, yes. I mean, this is something I've been trying to tell the world for years and years because often people uh, mimic me. And it's this character that um, died many years ago, this very face sort of um, uh, person who was almost dead in the bath. <laughs> Why do you think people cling to that caricature? And are because it was the you? first way that they were introduced to me, I think. And it just locks into people's brains. And people think that you can't, you're incapable of change. Does that feel restrictive? Yes, it really annoys me. It really annoys me. Because although I have a very poetic instinct, I'm not, um, I'm not permanently lying on the floor covered in, uh, what's the word, Jennifer? Stop to put back to Jennifer, do your interview. <laughs> Jennifer is here, there is a lady called Jennifer here, who it now seems, as a job, has to cater to Morrissey's innermost yes, thoughts. But she hasn't so far. Jennifer, frankly, you've been awful in this interview. <laughs> Morrissey, you've been an, a joy. You, Thank Jennifer, you. should be shot like a dog. <laughs> But as for you, of course, yes. uh, <clears throat> I mean, you're taking the whole thing further and farther, not, what? not as in paternal. No, no. No, but you realise that, don't you? What thing? What thing am I this taking further? This whole strange comedy thing and television thing and comedy th peculiarity and idiosyncratic insanity. Um, I mean, it's this far and now you're taking it that far. Really? Which is very, very good. I mean, you should be very pleased with yourself. Thank you very much. Are you? Yes, I am, actually. What I, one thing I learned from you was, uh, that you oughtn't, like, if you admire somebody, you should, what you should, like, with you, I thought, what more, like, that I read somewhere about you, so 
this isn't an original thought, that you are a new archetype, whereas Eminem is another version of Elvis and, you know, Oasis are really uh, derived from the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or however you want to regard it, that you're a new archetype. And what that made me think is you must be truthful to yourself and celebrate what you are and then the mundane can become heroic, the seemingly weak can become heroic. What do you reckon about that for a bit of an analysis? I think we probably sat up all night rehearsing that speech. I thought I never. I just said that straight you out never. of my brain. Well, that's very impressive. I didn't, Morrissey. I just said it. I've not had the opportunity to rehearse this. There's no point in rehearsing an interview with you. You could just wander off at any moment. There's no point in assuming you'll do it. So you're not related to Joe Brand? I'm not related to Joe Brand. You're not an identical twin. Um, how dare you? I'm sat here as dashing as I could possibly be. <laughs> as seductive as I could be seated. <laughs> no, Joe Brand is a lovely woman. She is fantastic. Very, very clever. No, no, I'm, I'm not. Comedy and cookery I usually try and avoid. Yes. Watching. Uh, <laughs> but she is very, very good. Who, who else? Who do you admire currently, musically, and uh, Nobody. across culture? No one. Don't be anyone Nobody. to be good. No, 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 no. What is it? It ended at Sandy Shaw and New York Dolls. Um, Ah, oh, yeah. Christine Young, a singer that you don't know. Okay. But you'll play this tonight. We'll play it tonight on and the radio you, you, too you, show. Yes, you'll play it on your show and you'll, you'll, your life will change. Okay, thank yeah. you. So she is... Why? What's so good about her? Incredible voice, completely original, mm. and uh, an absolute artist. Great songs. I mean, these things don't really happen anymore in music. They just don't. Really? What great songs, incredible artists? That's not a pre prevalent in music today. No. Why? What's going on? Oh well, don't ask me. Why not? I, it's just a statement of fact. I mean, to ask you. I'm simply observing. Yeah. I don't know why this is the case, but uh, um, <clears throat> songs. Yeah. Singers. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> you described uh, Morrissey as an artist. What are the different things that define an artist? Somebody that, who is uh, on a course and uh, they're unstoppable and uh, they live or die by what they do and uh, they can't be molded and they can't be controlled and they can't be directed and uh, which is you'll be very surprised to hear this is how you are thank you <laughs> that is what an extraordinary compliment that's very kind of you well I always, another thing, these are some things that I've always thought about, this is one thing I love, and uh, so when asked the question, I can't remember by what magazine, what is the best bit of advice you've ever been given, you responded, watch what you're doing with them effing flowers backstage at Top of the Pops <laughs> from Paul Weller. Yeah. I like that joke. Well, uh, it was a joke. Yeah, I assumed yes. as much. This is it what is difficult a... with you, uh, because no. uh, like, of all the cliché of you as uh, some perpetual miserablist, mm -hmm. and no one I think who understands you as ever or understand your work has ever bought into because it seems to me you're dead funny all the time. Uh, well, I think so. Yeah. I wake up, I look in the mirror, and I just laugh hysterically. You giggle so your way I through can't the day. Stop giggling all day. Well, I think most people are very, very drab. And yeah. I think most people in music are really drab, and most songs are drab, and nobody has any spark of originality or, or in individualism. Um, so uh, I'm not saying that I do, mm. but uh, well, I am really. <laughs> Why do you think this is? Because this is a culture that r represses those uh, oppresses. No, those I just think because most people are pretty boring anyway. They what? really are. Essentially, you think yes, you're essential Yes, I cause? do. I think most people are, are pretty drab. Oh, Morrissey, don't you think there's a no. beauty of people's... No. Oh, Morrissey, I you do. I think the human race is very, very, very overrated. Really? Yes. So if it were spectacular, wonderful beings, part divine, part animal? 
Many of them are no longer with us, and uh, those who are with us I've not met. Morrissey, what things are you gonna? Those people. <laughs> Oi, I'm one of them people. I uh, see, see, see. You know how the head begins to swell. Oh, do you think I'm just one that? compliment oh, and no. then it's. It's <laughs> affected me. Your hair will be even larger next week. <laughs> Where is there left for me to go in terms of me barnet? There's no mountains left to climb. However, I don't like Jamie Oliver. Why is this? Because every day of his life he kills things. Kill, kill, oh. kill, kill, kill. So I don't like Jamie Oliver. On the basis of his yes. uh, carnivorous I nature. Think he's, I think he's very, very nasty. You're still very militant about your vegetarianism then? Well, I'm not vegetarian. What are you now, vegan? What? No, I'm neither of those things. Oh. I just don't eat animals. Yeah. I don't eat anything that's lived. Yeah. I don't bring uh, I don't bring a life to, to end simply because I'm slightly peckish. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, I'm not vegetarian in the sense that elaborate vegetarian dishes that I don't really care for. I mm. mean, I'm still very much chocolate and crisps. Chocolate and crisps? You're just going through like gasoline, gasoline, chocolate and crisps. Well, I don't guzzle. <laughs> All right, then. I mean, I'm James not. Uh, popping them uh, in uh, your gob. I'm not from Romford, you know. <laughs> I'm from near there, Grace. I'm from. That's why I said that. <laughs> ah, I he, he's catching on, Jennifer. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that you've got through the last seven minutes having to consult Jennifer <laughs> to unwire your own brain. Well, we're a double act. This is lovely. <laughs> seems to me she is carrying the cerebral burden <laughs> in this double act. Morrissey. Yes. Sir. What, uh, what things will you do then in the future? In the future, I don't, honestly, I don't really look to the future. Why? Why? Because I don't think there's this much point. I could be run over by a horse tomorrow. That's unlikely. They can't drive for a start. Yes, well, there's always a first time. Oh, crikey. <laughs> one became Pope once, so one driving, I suppose, is a sideways step, if anything. See? See? So, anything could happen to me tomorrow, so I, I, I don't really plan. I just take it life one minute at a time. Morrissey, are you happier as an older man than you was as a young man? I am still young. Look closer. I'm well, you're very dashing. I'm not criticising you aesthetically. young. Uh, I have a very um, young spirit, I think. Okay, but it seems to me that you've changed, like from the uh, like sort of uh, in your earlier work. But well, you didn't know me then, see, as a as a human being. You just simply read, you just simply read the Bunty or something, <laughs> and uh, thought, oh, this is what he's really like. Yeah. So the first comedian that really made you um, guffaw was. Well, um, maybe Billy Connolly, but like Peter Cook is the per is the sort of the, the beacon to you know that, that guides me. The beacon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as it were, mm -hmm. and uh, like Richard Pryor, sort of. Uh, well, your hand gestures are a bit Peter Cook. Are they? Yeah. Ah, good. I, but you knew that, really. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, it's yes, an affectation. Yes. It's, a, it's a learned behaviour. Because he, he was always pointing to something that was slightly. Uh, Left of centre. Yes, well, right, cerebrally and artistically, uh, yes. you were always yes. pointing to the left of centre. Yes, I suppose he was. Yes. It, guess what I do in all? I swish microphone cables about in an onstage homage to you. Well, that's really nice. Thanks. That's Thanks. really nice. I thought you should know. Guess what? I've got to ask you lots more, like, as many more questions as you yourself will permit because uh, otherwise people will go, you interviewed Morrissey and you didn't shut up. But it's nerves a little bit. Yeah. Because, yeah, so come on, let's ask some actual... So, so you do actually have nerves occasionally? I do, yeah. yeah. 
Well then, why do you do it then? I mean, why do you walk on and take all this on and all these people and all this insanity? I mean, I mean surely you think there's an easier life and you could go back to Romford or Grays or um, Chelmsford and just uh, be a, I don't know, a homeless person. <laughs> I mean, it's an attractive option, Bonnetty. Well, it's in the future. <laughs> sleeping by some bins in Basildon in the future. I suppose yeah. because it's the only thing that makes me happy. Is it only time that life so I find life a bit of a pain in the arse and a bit difficult and like when I'm performing it makes t I think it's manageable I yeah. think it's beautiful I'm released from myself I feel unshackled and yeah. I feel part of a larger whole and how many CSEs did you get at school? I, did, I was not rewarded any CSEs yeah, you, o, o levels I got four GCSEs actually what a secondary modern failure I went to, I went to a compre comprehensive school things didn't go well Morrissey I didn't no. fit in it were a, it were a difficult time yeah. not only for them for, yes, for me. Yes. What about you? You qualified man? Uh, not really. I mean, a, a smashing of all levels. I mean, but nothing that would uh, that would impress anybody. Yeah. No. I don't suppose it's ever been particularly relevant. I don't think it's relevant to anybody. I well, just don't. I mean, is it relevant? Was it relevant to Diana Spencer? No. Her, her little two O levels. No, I suppose did it, not. Did it stop her? No, she w did quite well, as I recall. She did quite well, but maybe she'd be still alive if she if she got that third O level. That third O level <laughs> could have given her a few more uh, a few more months at the yes, very least. Yes, I would yes, imagine. Yes. So, um, Morrissey, like, so like, are you going to continue making us music and performing and everything? Well, I don't perform. Oh as right, as to I, put here live. What's I your problem with that verb? Because it was an affect because of venison. It sounds as if I'm there with a hat and a cane and I'm skipping, and then you know the lights go down and I, and I turn into a, a, a an incredibly drab person. So it's not a performance. Yeah. It's not a performance. It's not something I've concocted. Mm. Um, but back to the question, which uh, it was: Were you carrying on doing this for the foreseeable future? Uh, how can anybody possibly know? I mean, I could have a wooden leg next week. So how come you're on um, this station and not another station? What BBC Radio Two? Because the adventurous controller of BBC Radio 2, Leslie Douglas, thought that, oh, that oh, she thinks I'm good because, yes. you know, yes. she's like, and she thinks it'd be innovative yeah. to have me on the station. Yes. And your favourite DJ of all time is? I don't know if I really ha I have one, really. It's not... It's Anybody you ever listen to obsessively and... No. No. No, there is not, uh, there are not any, like, I was all grew up watching TV, I was raised by television particularly, mm. to tell you the truth. But you were a problem child. Yeah, very much. Yeah. And that's all over now. Do you think so? No, that was a question. Oh, well, I mean, sometimes it's difficult to relinquish, sometimes it's hard to let go of those mm. problems of things that define you. Yes. Don't you find that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think we, you know, the child stays within us. And that's quite nice, really. I mean, it's embarrassing when you're 28, 29, 30, but then when you're beyond the 40 threshold, you think it's, it's very nice, and you're quite happy to be uh, as you are, and you reach a take-it-or-leave-it stage, take-me-or-leave-me stage, and uh, that's where I am. So you have accepted yourself? Yes, 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 yes. Good, I'm glad that you have. Are you, so you're, like, are you living in Europe still? Uh, uh, still in Europe. I, I live just uh, anywhere. Anywhere. What, Jennifer, like? where do I live? 
the first contribution Jennifer's made to this interview is to, be, to utter the word nowhere. Yes, I think you should put heavy reverb on that. That will sound like an address from the Lord himself by the time yes, we finish with it. Yes. It'll sound like an, an enunciation from Mount Sinai. If Simon. you have a bad dream, you can, that word will be in it. Watch. So what do you watch on television? Well, I like uh, American comedy, like uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, stuff like that. Mm. I like Jonathan Ross's television programme. He's, he's not American. Well, okay, well, uh, you've point, yeah. pointed out an obvious flaw yeah. in my argument. Yeah. Uh, arrested Development. What do you watch on television? Yeah, not that much, really. Why? Why? Because I think most of it is terrible. I think it's... What, what's wrong with it? I don't know. I don't know. I quite like Emmerdale sometimes. What do you what do like Emmerdale for? <laughs> well, it's brief. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't really you don't really have to think too much. Right. It's just and, um, easily accessible. Did you ever see um when you were really small in in the early eighties, about eighty, eighty one, Wood and Walters? I know. Oh, 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 Victoria Wood. Yeah. Yeah, 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 But yeah. before she was, um, as seen on TV and Victoria Wood and blah, 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 she was Wood and Walters. I have, um, did you ever see incarnation. The, but did you ever see those, uh, there was, a, there was about 12 episodes. I don't recall them, Morrissey. Very, very, very revolutionary. Why? The, because I think they changed British comedy completely for every, not just for women, but for men as well. Really? Yeah. How so? Well, because they were completely different, mm. very in intelligent, and it was just, it seemed to be a different kind of humour that had, uh, hadn't been on television before. A different way of thinking, mm. a different way of telling a joke, and a different way of being silly. And uh, so she was, uh, she was very, very unique, I thought. And that programme, that show, however you wish to term it, I think changed everything. Victoria Wood is a uh, little, she reminds me of, her writing at least reminds me of Alan Bennett's writing. Oh, yeah. Well, she was hugely influenced by him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, did you see his plays in the late 70s on television? I mean, I, I know you were really tiny and you were running around listening to mud, etc. <laughs> but, uh, did you see the early Alan, Alan Bennett stuff? What sort of thing? Me, what? I'm Afraid of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> say Something Happened. No. Very, very original. Very funny. Very northern. Very deadpan. Um, gallows humour. Um, Why are you drawn to that sort of stuff? Because I'm northern. Yeah. I'm, I was born in central Manchester. And um, so I understand, um, I understand the whole idea of um, lack of choice and mm. the humour in lack of choice. Lack of choice? Yeah, in everything. In everything. And I think it brings out the, the best of the world. What do you mean world. by this lack of choice, Morrissey? Well, think about it. Um, Manchester the 60s, the 70s, I mean it really is, in Manchester it really still was 1945 and uh, there wasn't much hope for people and uh, that's why so much interesting music has come from Manchester. Right. Because you, you're forced inwards, you don't go to the beach, you don't ski, you don't do anything dramatic or glamorous and there's no such thing as money and there's hardly jobs around and you don't want to do jobs anyway. So you're forced inwards and it brings out the best of you. Yes. Yes. So that's the situation under which you grew up and your work was developed. That's the, that's the stamp uh, across this face that you're glaring into. So, it, well, it's a marvellous stamp if I may say. Well, uh, well, you know. 
How come? Um, then that you uh, like, just, so is that why you were drawn to New York Dolls and things like that? Well, uh, I was drawn to them because the songs were fantastic, and at that period in 1973, they were just like a bolt out of hell. Oh. They were the most peculiar thing that anybody had ever seen. Mm. We're all very used to um, sort of glamorous musicians now, and people with wild hair and so forth, but they were the most extreme thing that ever happened in music. And uh, that was for me. Right, so what did why? What did that mean to you in Manchester? Because um, they, they were very tough, but they had this very, very, um, they had this, um, this almost genderless appearance and uh, they absolutely did not care about anything and they were very very funny how, how? Where was the humour? The humour was in the interviews. They, 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 they absolutely just didn't care about anything. And right. they almost didn't care if they were successful. And most of them didn't care if they lived much longer, and they didn't. Mm. So it was a very reckless abandon, which I, I loved. The nihilism then? Yes, and they weren't trying to impress anybody. But for you, I would, uh, it seems that, like, in that si the situation you described in Manchester growing up, that, like, meaning would have been something that you would have embraced. Mm. So it's interesting to me that the nihilism of the New York Dolls Well, I you. think they had so much meaning. There was so much depth, so much character. Everything about them was interesting. Their names, the way they looked, what they were trying to do. And just the, the name of the group alone, the New York Dolls, just sounded so incredibly important. Yes. And uh, you won't remember 1973. No. You really won't, do you? No, I do not, Carl. No. It's not alive. Well, it was uh, Jennifer doesn't remember either, but... She's no point listening to her. <laughs> she wouldn't be no bloody of her. I'd give up on her. I forgot she was here, Morrissey, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, uh, it was... It, it was... He likes you, Jennifer. That were a joke, to appeal to Morrissey. Yeah, he likes you. It, uh, incredibly barren times. I mean, it was still 1967, and everybody was uh, as boring as hell. Mm. And suddenly there was this flash of um, transgender noise, and uh, it was fantastic. Very, very witty. Yes. And the lyrics were great as well. Okay. But uh, do you think then that uh, does art have an obligation to attain or issue any higher meaning other than that in which it. Other than it I think what makes any kind of art interesting is that it, it has no obligation to anything. It's just existing there, and you find it or you don't. And when you find it, you, 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 you discover for yourself what it has. But uh, art doesn't st stand in front of you and say, hello, I'm art, <laughs> and you must look at me this way. <laughs> and what's the next step? Uh, just Karen doing stand-up, make no, films. No, no, no. Make films? Make films. Oh, I see. Yeah, and go to America, make films there. Yeah, and why America? Because uh, America, it, like, if, if Jazz John Lennon said, if you lived in Rome in times, you'd want to live in Rome. So, if you like now, that's where the, cult the cultural hub. Mm. And I think that art does have an obligation to change the world and, and in fact to change things ultimately and to, to show, to be, I don't know, to, to innovate and to inspire. Mm. And, and I don't think, and as you say, like, you know, art, and I go, oh, hello, I'm art. <laughs> Could I, would you put the kettle on? I've popped around. But I think it should go, oh, I'm art, I'm kicking the doors in, let's all change and, and have it off in the vestry. Uh, well, uh, very eloquently put. I mean, I could almost be listening to Shakespeare. I, think. <laughs> I mean, art is always in people's minds a very youthful thing. Yes. Art is, is never an old, crusty thing. Why? Uh, I don't know, because it's art. But, but really, as I was trying to say before, how do we determine if something is art?
I mean, there's so many things hanging in the Tate, yeah. which are disgusting and horrible, but somehow they're classified as art. And there are many people in the world who consider themselves to be artists, and they're absolutely atrociously, pointlessly horrible and should be beheaded in a public auditorium. So, art is in the eye, ear of the beholder. I reckon that art is where you taste divinity, when you feel God, when you transcend the self and find a, a higher meaning. Well, very nicely put, but you're wrong. Why? What is it then? I don't know. Well, you're, you, look, you look, you're just wrong. <laughs> you <can't laughs> Accept it, live with it, move on, face love. Morrissey, thank you very much. Let's, before you clear off to watch the, that umbrella cliffhanger <laughs> on Emmerdale, well, let's plug these things of yours. Ringleader of the Tormentors, that, that's been out ages. Why would, people will already have that, won't they? There's no point plugging that. They could buy it twice. Buy it twice? What kind yes. of, yeah, consume properly, yes. for Christ's sake. Exactly. Uh, right, okay, and when's, uh, just want to see the boy happy, when's that out? It's out on Monday. That's out on Monday? Yeah. Get it then. Like, yeah. you know, but singles, that, people don't buy singles anymore, do they download things? Yeah, they do, but, uh, I mean, some people do because charts still exist. Yeah. So, I mean, some people are buying something. Someone's out there buying something. I know, it's an ever-changing world. The world change is the only thing that's constant, I suppose. Morrissey, you're off on this tour. Oh, what's this going on in Mexico? How come they're so obsessed? What are you touching on Mexican people? Uh, touching Mexican people. <laughs> I, I knew you'd accuse me of something. Um, would you really like an answer? Yeah, I do, because yeah. I don't understand oh, I why they, were... what it is in your music that reaches out to that, that some odd, that, or some very particular subculture. Have you been to Mexico? No. Well, the passion in the people. They are beautiful people, full of passion, and full of um, great rhythm and movement and emotion, and um, that is the connection. Ah, there is some fashion. Okay, let's talk about uh, these UK dates. You can see Morrissey on December the 4th, December the 5th, December the 7th, December the 8th, December the 22nd, December the 23rd. Glasgow, Newcastle, all over the country. There must be some website people can look at, Morrissey. Probably. You don't know things like that. If people want to go, your gigs will, they'll just sell out anyway because of your obsessive fan base. Uh, do, you, do you feel integrated with your fans? Uh, well, I don't consider them to be fans. What do you consider them to be? Well, because fans is a horribly de demeaning word. Fanatic. And, and often fanatic. I've been interviewed in the press and I've spoken about the audience and they always print the term my fans or right. the fans and I don't know why. They, right. won't, they won't print the audience. It's succinct, isn't it? Tabloids are all about, that's why you have words like tops. It's a matter of reducing everything because they assume that everybody's out there who reads anything is a blithering idiot. Yes, and, and, and then sort of contribute to people becoming blithering idiots by Absolutely. lowering the standards of the world. Yes, you and I know. Ah, oh, yes, we know this, Morrissey. We know this to be true. I'm going to come and see you. I'll come and see you in London. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I'll have ex extra security. No, don't! Let me come and say, if I meet you again, Morrissey, in an off-air situation, am I entitled to go, all right, and come and say hello to you, or will I Not be really. Let by, but, oh, go on! I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it. No, don't be... Please, if we've signed all these things. David Walliams wants this one signed. I want one. Can I have things? <laughs> can, can I have things? Can I have things? Objects? <laughs> They'll make me happy. I've been given things. Now tell me, will you sign me something? I've never asked anyone for an autograph ever. Really? Da life. Danny LaRue? Uh, Marco Van Basten, the Dutch footballer. Once, but other than that, nobody.
But we do, like, I mean, I don't know how big good this will be as radio, but will you sign something for me? Will you sign that for me, Morrissey? Yes, I will. Thank uh, you very and much. And your name is? Uncle Russell. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Oh, I'm, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to use the word fan. I'm a member of your audience. What do you mean when I appear live? Yeah, when you appear live. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid you should do anything as lowly as before. Well, that'd be beneath you. So let me get this straight. You're not Joe Brand. I'm not Joe Brand. No. Lovely though she is, I ain't her. Mm. I'm Russell Brand. I'm your fan. Mm, yes. The audience member. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. <laughs> so I'm just going to sign this, which is compulsive radio, of course. Yes, yes. Morrissey is now writing with his... He's using his Morrissey hand to write his name across a disc. Well, I can't use Jennifer's hand, can I? Well, it wouldn't surprise me. I've been trying to use her brain throughout the interview. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I'm really happy. It, it's been such a joy to meet you. I, I must say I'm thrilled and... Oh, so it's something that retrospectively I'm sure I'll have a sob about the whole experience, particularly the bits where you were quite offensive. Really? No, you were lovely throughout. I know, I know. Thank you so much. It's lovely talking to you. I mean, well, it's a radio you. interview, but yeah. I still feel, uh, can't I end it by cuddling you or will that seem overly aggressive? But how will anybody know it took place? Well, I don't know. I'll just, I'll make a, like, I'll go, oh. I'll do a like, that could be an Emmerdale sound effect. No, no, they will, they will taste the authenticity. The audience of the show will know it's not a performance. Come on. Morrissey. is now rising up onto his own quarters. I have no choice. Well, thank you. Thank you, Morrissey. That was Shoplifters of the World Unite and Take Over by Morrissey. Actually, that was by the Smiths, but Morrissey was doing the singing bit. So, uh, right, Matt and Trevor haven't actually heard the interview that I've just done, but what do you imagine might have been in it, Matt? Sycophancy? There was some sycophancy, yes. Trevor, have you got any ideas what might have taken place during that interview between me and Stephen Patrick Morrissey, the pre-recorded interview we just listened to? But actually, this is before it. Well, like me, I think he might have struggled to get a word in. He did struggle, actually. Yep. There were bits where I had to actively say, Oh no, I'm interviewing Morrissey and I'm talking more than Morrissey. That's how was How were you, you positioned yeah. during that interview? You sat on his lap or...? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, was sat, I sat opposite him, much the way I'm sat opposite you now, with two microphones between us. No, we were close to that, and at the end of it, I cuddled Morrissey. Did you? I did you, you mean your cat? Did his security him? lead you out by your hair? I was kicked out r roundly and brutally by my nuts. Now then, so that was old me... So you got his Morrissey. Number, you his mate. I've tried to get it to be a friendship. Uh, I go, Morrissey, can I be your friend and come turn, at your, turn up at your gigs and be your friend now? He goes, if ever, ever I'm aware that you're at my gigs. And then there was a pause and I thought, yes, Morrissey, yes, Morrissey, yes. He goes, I will be ensure that there is extra security those nights. Did they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think he was being nice. So anyway, this No, you went that. That's just me and Morrissey. We always joke like that. Oh, me and Morrissey. Oh, it's just one of the things we do. We just muck about like that. So, uh, yeah, this is Russell Brand on Radio 2, 88 to 91 FM. What a lovely show we've had. Did you enjoy it, Hughes Lot? I don't know. <laughs> it was brilliant. Oh, was it? Okay. Let's just assume that it was a great show. Next week, who we'll have on the show, we'll have some brilliant comedians, things like that. It'll be brilliant. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in next week. Stay with us on BBC Radio 2. Night, night, night. Bye.